Our second reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And it's on page 813 of your pew Bible. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, but be ardent in spirit and serve God. Rejoice in hope and be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Probably didn't hear a whole lot about Pentecost in there or Memorial Day. But I thought what I would do this morning is talk with you about the reasons behind Pentecost. Because it's the same reason that's behind every, every celebration in our liturgical calendar. And it's the one thing that matters most in all our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. We say in theology that God has aseity. That'll be on the test. <laughs> All it means is that God is sufficient to God's self. God needs no other in order to be God. So then we have to recognize the question, then why did God create us? God doesn't need us. God's just fine without us. But surely God didn't create us with no reason in mind. And so I will share with you a little bit of what that reason might entail. As a counselor and a psychologist, I used to work with people on what love really means, uh, mostly married couples. And it boils down to two simple words, love and need. And which order they come in your, your relationships. For someone to come in and say, I need you, therefore I love you. That's not healthy. When the need is gone, so is the love. And that's not good for anybody. But I love you, therefore I need you. When love comes first. It's easier to build healthy relationships. I love you, ergo, I need you. It's based on loving first. And loving first transforms our need into want. I love you, therefore, I want you. I desire to be with you. I desire to spend time with you. So we can say safely that God's reason for creation has nothing to do with need on God's part because we know God doesn't need us or anything else. The reason God did it is because God wants to be in relationship with us and all of creation. God desires to share life and spirit with us. 
God intended from the beginning when the earth was without form and void, before God separated the heavens and the earth and day from night, from the beginning, God intended to love creation and to desire humanity as his very own. Stay with me. God is exalted not by us. Nothing. I give praise to the Lord. God doesn't need anything we can give God. God is praise in and unto himself. Why don't you have a praise service? Because God doesn't need that. So then why do you have this service at all? Because we need it. It's as simple as that. And when this God, who is all-powerful and all-knowing, loves us, we are exalted by God. God imparts righteousness and exaltation to us from himself because we don't have any of our own. Look at the news. God loves us. and I, Every day that goes by, I keep wondering more and more why. Ugh. God lifts us into a place we cannot attain on our own. God lifts us by God's gift of his only son who is innocent and without sin. And God lifts us by the presence of the Holy Spirit, our counselor. In God's presence and by God's grace, we're restored to the pinnacle of creation. And we're restored in our relationship with God. And it is never going to be broken. God wants us and desires us. God always has. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God wants you. Always. Remember this spring when we had all that wind? Yeah, how could you forget? Didn't it seem every day like it was just never going to stop? You go to bed at night, you hear outside. You get up in the morning, there's dust in the air. You try to go outside and you can barely breathe because white sands has come down for a visit. It's relentless. It will not quit. And I moved away from West Texas to get away from the wind. I thought, in the mountains, there won't be any. <laughs> uh, dummy. But God's love is something we don't talk about in terms that, in this particular term, that I particularly love. We talk about God's love is steadfast and everlasting and all-enduring, but we don't often discuss the fact that God's love is relentless. Think about that for a minute. God won't leave you alone. God won't abandon us even when we really wish God would go away. And trust me, as a minister, there are days when God can get on my nerves. 
course, that's just repayment for all the times I get on God's nerves. God's love is relentless like the wildfires that sweep through the forests. God's love is relentless like that, that song that gets stuck in your head and won't go away. In very much the same way. God's love is relentless just like that. And our love for one another and for everyone we encounter, even people we don't know, our love for each other should be just as relentless. You get on each other's nerves sometimes. You can do this. I know we're Presbyterian, but you are allowed to move and everything. You get on each other's nerves once in a while. Yeah, well, then you're halfway to relentless love. So there. But Paul's talking to the Roman church in some very interesting terms. Let your love be genuine. To me, that's it. Let your love be genuine. To me, says it's kind of like saying, you just need to pray harder. Well, I've never figured out what that means. Pray harder? How do you pray harder? No one ever seems to know, but Paul is telling us something about making our love genuine that's very important and quite doable. He's saying, let your love be genuine, hate evil. Stay away from evil. Don't treat each other poorly. Treat each other with relentless love. And hold fast to what is good. He's not saying love is good. He's saying hold fast. It's an action. Love's a verb, remember? That's what Paul is reminding them of. And Paul is telling us Talk is cheap and easy. It's action that is required. And how do we do that? Well, we love one another for mutual affection. Certainly. Is it easy to be tender, playful, and nurturing? Is that easy, gentlemen? Not sometimes. Yeah. Sorry, ladies, but we're taught not to feel those things. That's why we marry you, so you can teach us. But our affection for each other is relentless because it's founded in the same desire for others as God has for us. Paul says, outdo each other in showing honor. Well, how do we introduce each other? Ladies, do you say, this is my first husband? <laughs> I hope not. <clears throat> Unless you're angry with him, and that would probably wake him up real quick. We hold doors for each other. We let others go first. We pay attention to the people around us instead of getting wrapped up in our own lives. I told the kids not long ago about my dad telling me, you say yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am and no ma'am to everyone, period. And I still do. 
But we do those things because we want to love relentlessly. We want people to feel welcome. And we want people to feel safe around us. Paul says, be patient in suffering. Well, the Jews have a saying. What cannot be remedied must be endured. And they're correct. I would just take it a little bit further. I would say, not only do we have to endure our own suffering, but we have to endure suffering with our brothers and sisters. We cannot leave them alone to suffer. Well, you know, I had a hard time when I was coming up and by golly, I took care of it myself. No one helped me. Well, you know what? There were people in a position to help you at that time and they didn't. And as your minister, I'd like to speak with them if any of them are alive. Because I have a few words for them. Being present, truly present with other people. No distractions. No looking at the clock. No phone. But to be truly present as God is present with us. Always. If this other person is suffering, nothing else matters to us. That is what we focus on. That's relentless love. Why should we weep with others who weep? Why should we rejoice with others who rejoice? And why should we live in harmony with each other? Because when we weep, God weeps with us. And when we rejoice, God rejoices with us. And in spite of all our efforts to drive God away, and we do try hard, God lives in harmony with us. We don't live in harmony with God. God does it on God's terms. Don't be haughty, associate with the lowly. Well, don't be, pretend to be wiser or better than anyone else. I've, I know you find this hard to believe. I actually learned the value of silence. Not up here. It doesn't work up here. You've got to put people in front of me and give me a microphone. I'm good for a couple hours. Don't pretend that we're wiser. Let other people be wiser. Listen to them. They'll tell you a lot more than they realize they're telling you. We often associate ourselves with people who are from a lowly status, whatever that means. We do it from a sense of pity or charity. That's not love. Sometimes we think, there but for the grace of God go I. Shut up. What? God's grace doesn't extend to them? You're there. You are an instrument of God's grace. There but for the grace. No, there but for my inaction. 
go somebody who's suffering. I know that's a hard pill to swallow. Let's look at it this way. When you see somebody in those kind of situations, you can look at them and say, there goes Jesus. Look in their eyes. That's our Lord. For as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Or not. Outdo each other in showing honor. That's what it means to associate with the lowly. We honor them. We treat them with respect. And we help any way we can. Relentless love is welcoming strangers with open doors and open arms. It's feeling and feeding our enemies when they're hungry. It's giving drink to people who are thirsty. And hardest of all, it's leaving vengeance to God. And trust me, as somebody who's Scottish to his bones and comes from a very fight and feuding kind of folks, that takes effort. Let God repay as God sees fit, not as we do. We're lousy judges of what is fit or unfit. And when you think you can't do it, think about who was God's only child? I mean, besides us, the one who came first. Who was God's pride and joy and greatest blessing to all of creation? Who murdered him? Anybody want to try to answer that one? You did. I did. We all killed Jesus because he died for our sins. If it wasn't for the fact that we were going to be born in sin, none of that would have had to happen. That's relentless love. Overcome evil with good. How? Well, you kind of have to get creative. Reacting the way we always have reacted is easy. And look where it's gotten us. It's not only about the evil done to us personally or to others as individuals, but it's also about systemic evil. Things that we accept without thinking about them that cause other people misery. We can overcome the evil of joblessness with retraining for new jobs. That's not the only answer and that's not all the answer, but it's an answer. We can overcome the evil of homelessness and yes, it is evil. We can help with Habitat for Humanity or Christmas in April. We can run down to Walmart, buy a tent and give it to somebody. We can start somewhere. We can end domestic violence and its evil by providing shelter for victims so they can go and be safe. And we can overcome the evil of hunger. That should be obvious. 
Creativity. Relentless love requires that we overcome the evils of self-absorption. That we look to others with relentless concern. Not by needing them, not by pitying them. But desiring them and loving them as God loves us. Relentlessly. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. The reconciliation of humanity through Jesus Christ makes it plain that enslaving poverty in a world of abundance is an intolerable violation of God's good creation because Jesus identified himself with the needy and exploited. The church, cause of the world's poor, is the cause of his disciples. The church cannot condone poverty. A church that is indifferent to poverty or evades responsibility in economic affairs or is open to one social class only or expects gratitude for its beneficence makes a mockery of reconciliation and offers no acceptable worship to God.